I have walked out on a pool deck <laughs> and oh, been like, excuse me. <laughs> and it didn't go over very well, so I didn't do that again. No. <laughs> Excuse me. Um. Welcome to Fit to Be Radio. Slip on your minimal sneakers, notch your headphones into your ears, tuck your smartphone into your pocket, and take us along for a walk while we talk. Or just grab a cup of your favorite drink and get on the floor and stretch a bit while we bring you all things fitness, core, and diastases recti related. You guys ready? Yes. Yep. All right. Born ready. Born ready. I love that. I, I love your first one, though, when you're like, I wish I could just say all those things. I know. <laughs> that is so bad. <laughs> hey, everybody. Welcome to fit to be Radio. My name is Chris Benke. I'm here with Beth Learn. She is the CEO and founder of fit to be Studio. And we're also here with a very cool guest. Her name is Adriana Lozanda. I said that right, right? Lozada. Lozada. Yes. Lozada. I know that's uh, you figured the first the, the first name would be harder, but it's not. It's the last name that gets you. I like it. It's it's a beautiful name. Um, and we were just chatting before uh, we got started recording, and uh, you are an amazing person. You have uh, an incredible podcast, uh, Birthful Podcast. I encourage everybody to go look that up right away. Um, you can find inf- more information about it um, on the website as well. Um, but you're also you you do. It's not just a podcast you're also a doula for a long time um you do all sorts of services and offerings and have a lot of information that you've um got out there and you've written a book um that is is pretty awesome in spanish um and i would love to just hear from you a little bit about your background as we kind of kick this this podcast off yeah so you know my background is in communications. That's what I did before baby. I, I just have one, so not babies, but just the baby who is no longer a baby. She's 13 in a month. Wow. Um, yeah, right? They grow so oh. fast. Oh, now my. we're doing teenage stuff. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so there's, there's those two things that run parallel, the communications aspect. And then when I got pregnant, I dove deep into all the things uh, maternity and became a doula and was doing sort of just that for a bit. And as my daughter grew, I spread my passion into more and more things. So the birth doula, postpartum education, sleep consultations. And then three years ago, I started the Birthful podcast where I get to talk. Mine's just audio, so no video, but where I get to talk uh, with birth professionals on a weekly basis and pick their brain in whatever I feel like get my questions answered, which is such a luxury that for me. Fantastic. Yeah. That's fantastic. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So we're just talking about, you know, what, what makes sense as we're talking to you with all of your expertise and fit to be on fit to be radio. And we, we kind of came across this thread of the physical demands uh, of birth. And we talk a lot about birth on the fit to be podcast and on our website and our blog and, on Facebook, but a lot of times um, it's very it's just hyper fitness centric because that's what we do. Um, but you're tying in all of these different things with this kind of overall blanket of physical demands, and it's easy for everyone to go, "Well, yeah, of course, physical demands that makes sense. Your your birth, right?" But but what what exactly do we mean by physical demands? You know, pre, during, post, all those things. Yeah. So it. I- I think the biggest thing, the most interesting, like from my doula perspective and seeing so many births, what is interesting is that 
you it is a very physically challenging experience right but it doesn't require you necessarily to be physically strong and i think that's a little of a disconnect because we think culturally we think fitness equals strong equals chiseled muscles equals like you know ripped right. and just like oh fit that can actually be not so great during birth so okay. you need it's more about balance and tone okay um i have seen pushing stages where that baby just won't come out because that perineum's too tight. Right. right. Right? So I think that is the first message I want to throw out there is that it requires, requires physical endurance and you've got to, for hours, you don't know how long it's going to be, um, but it's not like you're preparing for a marathon, although it can last longer than a marathon. Right. Certainly longer than a marathon. Mm. Yeah. So Beth, what do you, how, how do you, um, so as we're talking about fitness and, and in this overall kind of idea of core strength, that's such a prevalent theme in our, in all of our stuff, how does that tie in with what we're talking about? Well, I could just sit back and listen to birth workers all day long, which is why I'm just hanging out all quiet because I am just jealous of doulas and midwives. I think, you know, in a different life, <laughs> I would have been there catching babies. Um, but the connection is so, so deep and, and Adriana's already hit on such a valuable point, And that is that we equate strength with um, a faster birth or a better birth. And, and strength as the world defines it is very different than how birth defines strength. Um, birth requires a different type of endurance and, like she said, balance. Mm -hmm. And when there's imbalance in the core and in the pelvic floor, we run into all kinds of problems. And, and what we are finding in the fitness community and the crossover with the birth community is that um, intensive female athletes are dealing with too tight hypertonic pelvic floors they don't know how to relax relax is not in their vocabulary right and they think that just because they can run a marathon or they can do crossfit that they're just going to go to the hospital and crank out a baby right um, that is what i thought having my first child and i did really have a textbook labor um but i also required an episiotomy because that baby was just i i couldn't yield I couldn't yield myself to her coming out. And then my son, I tore pretty badly again because he came like a freight train. <laughs> there was no time to yield with that one. <laughs> yeah. and, and a lot of women are having that same experience. And, and it is more prevalent in the fitness community. And there are studies to back that up. Yeah. Um, if you go to like NCBI or those other, what are, what are some of the other websites that have research studies? I, I can't think off the top of my head at the moment, but lots of studies on the hypertonic female athlete pelvic floor and the risks associated with right. birth and birth recovery. And so um, Adriana's approach of preparing for postpartum and having the support you need yeah. during birth and after um, really I had doula trained nurses and I, I think I'd be an even hotter, hotter mess without those women that were at my side. I was fortunate to be in a hospital that provided something like that because in a lot of what they said to me was relax right. and yield. And I just couldn't because right. yeah. I hadn't prepared for that. Right. So I think, so it's interesting. I think at fit to be, we do spend a lot of time talking to women, a lot of our clients about preparation 
for mm-hmm. birth and pregnancy and all that. And Adriana, that's one of your uh, specialties is understanding that. So what is like, so if what's the right approach and, and, right. and is there a, a right approach or is it different? So there is, um, as, and as much as, you know, birth is full of uncertainty and you can't really prepare for anything. Right, so sure. preparing for flexibility is the one thing. Um, right. And in terms of the physicality, if you can, like Beth was saying, that importance of relaxing, like the challenge is being able to relax and yield and let go into an intense sensation. So mm-hmm. instead of, you know... Because there's there's another thing that's key here that that can affect your birth is there's a attention fear pain cycle. So mm. the more tense you are, the more pain you have, and the more fear that comes in makes you more tense and all of that. And it's really easy to get in, into that loop. So being able to step out of that loop um, and going into the contraction, I always say into that sensation with curiosity. And sort of like explore the pain. We never really explore pain unless we do big, big athletic events in which we're like, it's even good pain, right? right. Yeah. So free framing birth in that light of it can be a good pain because nothing's wrong. It's normal. It's the way your baby is being born. Right. So preparing for that intensity and making sure your, your muscles and your body and your pelvic floor is balanced. And you do that through good posture. You do that through, um, you know, there's, you can add some body work and chiropractic care and cranial mm-hmm. sacral therapy, but doing exercises that support your pelvic floor mm-hmm. in a toned way. So like there's the big debate about Kegels. Kegels tend to just tone, there's just right. strengthen, right? Strength, strength, tighten, tighten, but yep. there's no stretching to them. Mm-hmm. And because you don't get that, you're unbalanced. You're right. creating a tighter pelvic floor, um, which I have seen. I have seen that case of the episiotomy because the baby, the head's right there. And then just that, yeah, you know, it's not releasing. It's mm-hmm. um, Yeah, and that's why I love I love the term mulabanda, which it is essentially is a, a yoga term for that root lock, but it's also the release. And that's why I chose that term for fit to be. A lot of people are like, oh, that's kind of a woo-woo, voodoo. What is this? And no, what it, what it refers to though is um, getting people out of that mindset of constantly flex, 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 squeeze the ketchup bottle. And it's more about lifting and then fully releasing and letting go. And nobody talked to me about that. I didn't launch fit to be or come into this information for a full three years after I had my second child and it would have dramatically impacted my birth if I had known what I know now back then. So you guys are talking about preparation, but I'm not totally sure. Are you talking about preparation like days before and, you know, as birth is happening or are you talking about like, what, what should, what should women be doing, you know, weeks before months before, that kind of preparation from the moment, you know, you're pregnant (laughs) from the instant, you know, you're pregnant. Um, I, so because I don't look just at at the physical part of it, at the fitness part of it, I look at all of it. It's a very holistic experience. Mm -hmm. So I kind of want, I have, when I do my doula prenatals, um, that first one, which we do as soon as possible is we talk about birth in different 
in a different light and how you can actually support the physiology. And I think that's the key. So you support the physiology physically, mentally, emotionally, chemically, and that everything you do in preparation for birth and while you're in it is to support that. Not to support, and then the disconnect is the medical aspect of birth, which culturally, intrinsically, it's stuff that unfortunately does not support physiology. And what I mean by that is vaginal checks, um, heartbeat monitoring, um, determining what stage you're at. All of those things are good for the medical people, and you need to know that language because they're keeping an eye on you. Right. But in terms of what you need to do in physiology, you need to get out of your brain. You need mm-hmm. to let your body do the birthing. Mm-hmm. You need to shut your mind so yeah. that hormones can flow, so that you can relax into it, so you can go to deeper brain states, right. brain waves. That sounds like um, a lot of mental preparation. But holistic, too. So because yeah. I want you to physically like balance your pelvic because – so you've got – you know. The, the basic part of birth is a baby in a certain position going through a pelvis in a certain position mm-hmm. held by ligaments that are in, in a certain. So if you've got kinks there or babies like this, right, then that's right. going to create a challenge right. regardless of what you do with your mind. So right. you look at that and do preparation mm-hmm. in that term. Um, and then you also do like mindful practice can be so helpful. Right. Whether it's meditation, guided visualization, lot of shavasana, like whatever it is mm-hmm. you do. Yeah. It is another muscle you need to practice. Practice sure. the letting go. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because you end up in a really different plane of consciousness. <laughs> Whether you get the epidural or not, it is, um, it, like you said, you have to get out of your brain and yet still stay connected. It, it really is a balance. That word keeps coming up. It's come up in other podcasts as well. Um, and the more a woman can be prepared for anything and everything, the better. And we can't possibly prepare for everything though. So I know a lot of women feel like deer caught in the headlights and they just don't do anything and they're, they're just going to go into it and take whatever comes. And that can be a healthy mindset, but it can also set us up for a lot of things coming at us. Could have been prevented. Yeah. And and that's not preparation. Like just go with the flow is not a birth plan. Right. Amen. Flexibility. (laughs) Yeah. You need flexibility, but you also need to be an active participant in letting Mm. go. And, and, and the other thing that I always tell my clients is, you know, you're going to hit a wall, expect it. Mm -hmm. Every birth hits a wall. So expect that you're going to go like, wow, this is too much for me. Yeah. And then how are you going to get over that? Uh-huh. And know that probably when you hit that wall, it's probably right around transition time. So you're probably almost done anyway. So yeah. <laughs> that's what it for me anyways. Yeah. You know, I know. As I had clients start asking me a few years ago, Beth, can you please put together a labor prep routine? And I was like, I'm not qualified for that. What? And I'm like, well, so then a couple doulas started chiming in when, and, and that was a blessing because they're like, well, Beth, you could do, okay, these are positions that a woman could end up in, in birth. Why can't she practice those? And what are the muscles involved and how could she train and strengthen her body or, um, 
stretch her body around those positions. And that concept fascinated me. And that is how our labor prep routine came to be, which is where I invited my husband and I'm, you know, I'm like, grab a partner, do your little dance, practice relaxing your hips, practice opening, um, practice leaning over a chair, practice relaxing, practice opening. We do some belly breaths, engage, release, visualize. And it's a, it's a simple, I think it's 11 minutes long, mm-hmm. but just opening up their minds to the possibilities of you could be in any one of these positions at any point during your labor and delivery. Why not practice them? Just like you might in a really great birth class. I love, you know, there's more and more childbirth classes happening where they actually are training women to not just be on their back with somebody behind them like Lamaze. Right, right. Well, and the thing is, movement is hugely important during birth. It's yes. huge. So the more you can get into the idea of, I'm going to move during birth and practice these, these positions so that you have some muscle memory and that your partner can go like, oh, this is okay. We're going to go like this. Um, right. You know, the, le- the less you use that bed, unless it's a really long labor. And then and there's a question about resting smart also. Yeah. Balancing smart. Yeah. Yeah. Because otherwise you're going to just peter it out. So right. yeah. Walking and all of those bigger movements are good for the early labor. Mm-hmm. And then if you go for a walk, then balance it with some lying down and, and mm-hmm. cocooning into the couch um, or the bed. And then once you get into more active labor, the movement at what we do is I want you to stay hydrated, hugely important. And then I want you all to also go to the bathroom because urine is not compressible. And you need every little <laughs> inch of space. Yeah. yeah. Getting up from where you were to go to the bathroom and get then come back to a different position, there's your movement. There's right. your yeah. shift. There's your switch. I remember my little sister when she had her girl. Um, she asked me to be there. And then I was with her when she went to the hospital. And she didn't have a doula. And I was like, okay, I'm going to be your doula. Um, I was actually pregnant with my son at the time. And I didn't know as much as I knew now, but I did know that movement was crucial. I, I knew that. I called our other sister. I was like, you need to get over here because I need help. And uh, she, she was struggling. And I was like, look, let's just go to the bathroom. And we made a train where um, she leaned on my shoulders. And then our other sister got behind her and put counter pressure on her hips. And we just kind of danced our way to the bathroom and helped her out. And then danced our way back. And man, by the time we got back, like all of a sudden her labor picked up and she had to march in place there by the side of the bed. And she was there then until she like was ready to be on the bed to have her baby because she could no longer stand. And (laughs) yeah, and that's when the baby came, but it was such a powerful transition moment. And I was really kind of working instinctively, but now like even just hearing what you just said and, and other things I've heard and learned from the birth community as, as we've built fit to be and coordinated and networked with other doulas and physical therapists, it's like, that is so crucial. Just those little transition moments, changing positions when things are stalling out, Right. but it takes strength right. in that moment. You're exhausted and it well, takes and stamina. Yeah. And that's why it's important for you to consider ahead of time that you're going to move. And it's also mm-hmm. important for um, you to practice these movements like you mentioned before, because if you've never squatted, then squatting during birth is not going to work for you. Right. <laughs> like, just like right. if you've never done a deep meditation practice or some sort of hypnobirthing, right. then that's not going to work for you in labor. Like you do have to practice right. any of these yes. things. You're but the just- more you practice it, 
the better it's going to be for your birth. Yes. You can't just show up and expect to do all these things that you've never done in regular life. Mm-hmm. No. So you've got to consider pregnancy as early, 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 super early labor. <laughs> I love that. That's a great concept. Yeah. Well, and I, I, in, in, in the athletic world, we call it sport specific training. Mm. You know, there's a time to cross train, but as you near your event, you right. better get real specific. Right. But like you said earlier, it, it's not so much that, um, okay, you know, you're going to squat in birth. So you do all the squats that can actually backfire. I'm testimony to that. Um, you know, I, I did a lot of squats in my second pregnancy because I had it in my head that squatting was the best place to give birth. And that I was going to, I was going to give birth to my son in a supported squat. I was going to have an arm around my friend and an arm around my husband. And you know what that did manifest, but that ended up not being a great place for me. And I'm pretty convinced now looking back that, um, I built a little too much strength and tension again, not knowing then what I know now. And that is why I tore the way I tore because I was in too deep of a squat. I hadn't practiced really relaxing in that squat. I had just practiced squatting. I did a bunch of shallow air squats and then I heard reverse. I needed to be deeper. And I, my body was not ready for that deep grinding position. Well, here's my question for you. While you were doing that deep, deep squash squat, I'm assuming you were pushing. Mm Mm-hmm. Were you pushing with insane intensity? Yeah, because I had that fetal reject, fetal rejection, fetal <laughs> ejection reflex with him where he didn't come and he didn't come and he didn't come and everything was stalled out. And then I went from a six to having him in a half an hour. Yeah. And when he came, it was just like, I mean, I was roar. He, the kid still comes like a freight train. He's nine years old and he just takes over wherever he goes. <laughs> <laughs> Chris knows true. him. He knows. <laughs> and so I, that position... <laughs> I lost control there and then it put so much pressure on the base of my perineum. And I, and I remember thinking, I need to get out of this position. I need to get out, but I was basically bound there. Well, here's the thing. Right. And, and so there's that flexibility and also having a team around you that can be aware of that. Like, especially when baby's head is crowning before baby's head crowns, it moves forward and back and does uh-huh. like this little cha-cha where things stretch and it goes back and yeah. until it passes, clears the, the pubic bone and then the head stays there. It doesn't go back anymore. And then you get a burning sensation, which is called mm-hmm. the ring of fire. And those perineum muscles are stretched to its max. That right then you want to close the legs a little bit. Mm. And usually in directed pushing, they tell you, grab your knees and yeah. bring them up. And, and that's what they were, they were like holding. And I was like, I, but then there was no time anymore. So, it was, it, yeah. But yeah. Well, and he was coming so quick. I mean, if you tear, you tear and then it repairs. Like yes, it does. The, and things you, have repaired just fine. Just <laughs> but fine. Well. Like, that's the thing. We shouldn't fear the tear as much. Plus you don't quite feel it specifically. You're feeling all kinds of other things. Oh Yeah. <laughs> Mm-hmm. But um, but I've seen 10-pound babies be born without tears because just at that time, legs come in just a bit. Oh, that's such a tip. I have never heard that tip. Mm. Yes. See, and I'm so, a total birth junkie, but that's something that comes junkie. from the deep experience birth that you junkie. have. Birth yeah. so, so, it, so it sounds like you know, there's a lot of misconceptions out there. What are, at, with your clients, what are the most common misconceptions you're seeing people coming in um, initially, before yeah. birth? 
Yeah. So there's one thing that's the perfect segue that I wanted to talk about because we're in this pushing stage. Pushing is the biggest misconception that you actually have Mm -hmm. to push. Now, Mm -hmm. here's the difference. Um, If we do understand physiology, and that's why I'm a huge believer of supporting physiology. And, you know, when you're doing a physiological process, which your body does tons of, you can control them to a certain extent, like blinking, you can, I'm not going to blink, but you can't not blink forever, or you Mm -hmm. can't not breathe forever, your body's going to take over. So you're not going to be pregnant forever right? Your baby's going to come out. Um, yeah. Unless you're being really disturbed and not being able to go in that, to that deep, you know, primal brain and having to think, but if you're supporting that initial of like, let me get out of the way and letting your body birthing with your body, your body doesn't care if you're 10 or if what stage you're at or what centimeter, what dilation. And your goal is not to get to 10. So I can push. Nope. Your goal is to have a baby. So getting to 10 is just one step in the process. And if you look at physiology, the head is in the, in the uterus, right? Mm-hmm. The, the cervix opens up and that's like, it opened the door. It's at 10, but the head is still in the uterus and the pelvis is wider side to side in the inlet, wider front to back on the outlet. So somewhere, so the head tends to come in sideways Mm because we're narrower here, longer Mm -hmm. this way. And somewhere in the middle, it needs to rotate so that it's this way. And then there's a, if you have a newborn, it's a great party trick. You hit them in the back of the neck, like a one week old, then it starts going away. And they go like this. Mm -hmm. They extend the head because what happens is once they rotate the head, hopefully they're looking towards your back. There's a curve between the pubic bone and the coccyx. And to navigate that curve, pubic bone hits baby in the back of the head, creating an extension of the neck so that baby can then come out. So in the beginning, they're like curled up in a little tight ball. Mm-hmm. And as they're coming out, they become, they extend and it goes from being like a C to an F. Mm-hmm. Now, the head, so when you get to 10, that head is still in the uterus. It's being held by the lower uterine segment. That that uterus needs to keep pulling up and release the head. And once the head is released, it can easily rotate, come down, and then extend. If you start pushing when you're 10, and we're like, oh, when am I 10? When am I 10? I need to push. And your care provider's like, let me see if you're 10 so I can give you permission to push. And if you have a lip, let me, you know, let yeah, me get in there. Insert eye roll. <laughs> move it out of the way. So now you're 10, now you can push. Well, you shouldn't be pushing that. Because that head is still being held and the uterus and the baby are working in a perfect dance of, of forces mm-hmm. to, you're not in there. Let, if you start putting your you know, abdominal pressure in, I'm going to push, mm-hmm. you're adding an external force that is grinding that baby's head into the lower pelvis before it's released from the uterus and you are getting in the way. That head needs to rotate first. And and the crossover with diastases, recti, and core issues is that if you have women who are pushing for too long and working against their own bodies and they're bearing down purple pushing for hours and hours because somebody is yelling at them to push, 
often what we hear and what we see in my side of things with diastases awareness and recovery is that they'll say, well, I only, I know I checked my diastases. I only had like a two or a three going into labor, but then I pushed for two hours and I came out with a six or a seven because of all that intra-abdominal pressure and all that bearing down. Whereas if they had been allowed and encouraged to wait and to do natural pushing, um, and go with their body, uh, women that we hear from that have been allowed to birth physiologically like that, they're, they're finishing their pregnancies with a three, maybe a four. It's a and huge difference. Huge. And they're also having less perineal tears because yes. once, once you're letting and you're really tuning into your body, you can instinctively, like if you just let baby do this thing and wait for the uterus to really come up, um, and the baby to rotate and extend, then what's going to happen is you start put. you're going to feel that because a baby's head rotating. Yeah. And oh, I felt it. I felt it with my son. <laughs> it's a big movement, but it was you're, weird. If you're pushing. It you're like a key. Feel it. Yeah. It felt like a key. Like, cause he had been they're like, oh, well you're at a two, a positive two and he's not engaging and you've been in labor for 16 hours. And so they broke my water because mm. I, my water hadn't ruptured yet. And then like five minutes later, I'm all, I think I need an epidural. And they're like, uh, I think Was you're this your son, the one that came like a free Yeah. Time? Yes. Uh-huh. And then I literally felt like him like notching. It felt like notches. He was like, click, 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 boom. I mean, it was like everything took over, but that sensation of him turning inside of me and his head engaging was, so, cause I didn't have any painkillers. It was just so distinct and awesome. Yeah. And painful. But yet I was like, okay, here we go. And they're like, don't push. And I'm like, too bad. So sad. (laughs) One of my favorite things in labor. So I tell, I tell clients is because I used to hate the pushing stage because it was that, oh, now we got to 10. Now we're at four hours pushing and it's so hard. But now when we do this preparation and understanding that you don't need to push Unless you get that. So pressure is different. Building of pressure, Mm -hmm. let pressure build. But Mm -hmm. if you have to question if you have to push or not, then you're not. (laughs) It is like when you, you, when you, you know, you have to go to the bathroom and you're like a little uncomfortable. You go like, "Mm, if I, I mean, I could go. And if I push, it's going to be, it's not very satisfying. (laughs) That that versus when you're like, Oh my God, I got to go to the bathroom. Cause if I don't get there, it's going to like, it's coming, it's coming, it's coming. And yeah. it's the same sensation. You wait for that. Like, Oh my God, the baby's coming. And I love hearing mom say, feeling that head turn. Yeah. Go, baby's right there. And you yeah. know that within half an hour, 15 minutes, half an hour or less. Time, yeah. Have a baby. <laughs> and and then they didn't push. They didn't like, strain the muscles they have you know less tears and less incontinence afterwards yes recoup from yes because like you you said they didn't strain and uh and the lack of strain and the working with the body and in terms of recovery and making a safe return to fitness yeah oh i can't i can't stress that enough so let's so let's transition to that so you have the baby and you you followed this kind of approach, and it went better. Um, but that's not <laughs> the end of the story, right? No, no. Now, no. so here's the the. Uh, 
I wish every mom, every pregnant person would understand that postpartum is a time for nourishment and recovery mm-hmm. because you have spent nine months, like when we go down to deep physiology of yourself and survival, for nine months, your body has been unless you've been really good at your, you know, keeping up with your sleep and keeping up with your nutrition and lessening stress and all these things, your body's been depleted, Mm -hmm. right? You have, your blood volume went up by 50% to sustain. Your structure, your skeletal and soft tissue structures have asked, we've asked them to realign and shift and accommodate Mm -hmm all these different pressures along with throwing relaxing into it to make all the ligaments soft and easier to stretch, which can, if you overdo it, create more injuries that then you have to recoup from. So you have like this whole nine months and then this physical enormous event of shifting and stretching both of your identity and of your physicality that is birth. And I say that, you know, birth needs to be the immense crazy tectonic plate shift that it is because you need a physical representation of what's going to happen with your identity mm-hmm. of becoming a parent. Yeah. <laughs> you need the counter power. It's that big. So once you're on the other side, <laughs> you need to make up for that. And especially if you're breastfeeding, your body's mm-hmm. still being asked. Yeah. And now you're starting a whole new process. Yeah. And for the first three weeks when baby is figuring out which way is up and down and which way is light and dark and, and nobody is really sleeping, <laughs> right. Right. it's a lot. And so women, yeah, it, I love when a client tells me, okay, I've had a postpartum doula and, um, you know, she really encouraged me to rest and, and she brought meals and she lined up a, a meal train and, and, you know, and my husband did this and my family and I was allowed to be in bed and relax, but, but, you know, what do I do about my core? And I know I'm supposed to exercise and where fits becomes in with that is it's really not about exercise in those early weeks. It's about breathing. Like you can do core breath work right away. And it's, it's, it's fascinating how, just by tuning into their bellies right off the bat, um, they'll say, and nothing happened. Like I try to core breathe and nothing happened because everything's so stretched out. But within a few days, yeah, there are some changes that occur. And, and if they're doing those core breaths, the core and the pelvic floor will heal faster and respond faster. And that's not so that you can go run a marathon at six weeks. It's so that we can at least lay a foundation. Right. And that then you're ready for more yeah. when you're ready for more. Yeah. And the foundation is key. And it is like, as you say, do some breath work just to reconnect your body again. Discover this new body that's shifted and how to create those, you know, trigger those neural pathways again, now that there's not a baby stretching everything and your organs are not like up your throat and everything. (laughs) That's what what it feels like. So everything needs to, you need to like go like, Whoa, wait, let me check out this new topography and mentally connect with it. Mm -hmm. So breath work. Fantastic. You know, I mean, not even walking for several weeks, like doing very little Mm -hmm. baby steps and focusing on making those movements, nourishing movements. But, Frankly, the priority is first, like it's all about nourishment, but it's first sleep, first yes, nutrition, yes. what you eat, mm-hmm. and also mental nourishment, like nur- nurturing 
relationships, nurturing self-care, nurturing all the things. So I have on my website, one of the free resources I have is a postpartum preparation plan. Mm-hmm. Um, because that's we are preparing to have a birth, but we don't prepare to have a baby. And that's another huge right. cultural shift. Right. Like, how many times have you heard, I did all the books, I did it, I have the childbirth education class, I have the doula, I have the thing. I'm taking baby home. I have no idea what to do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, uh, where I had my baby at the hospital, they came in with, I kid you not, a stack of papers, like a half inch thick about how to raise a child. Right after I had my child and they were lecturing me. One lady was in there for two hours, this nurse. And I finally said, can I sleep? <laughs> yes. I need to wow. sleep. And you're wow. talking to me about screen time, no screen time before two years old. What on earth does this have to do with, can I just sleep? And she's like, oh, oh, I'm sorry. I mean, why are you throwing it? So it's like the, at the wow. moment I had my baby. Now they're giving me this stack of paperwork on all the yeah. uh, American Association of Pediatrics recommends. And I'm like, go away. <laughs> no. Yeah. And that's it. And so you've got to do the preparation ahead of time because once you have a baby and you're sleep deprived and you're getting up every two to three hours and to, yeah. and the feeding is included in that two to three hours and you're on for 24 hours a day, every day. And like babies don't understand the concept of night and day. They're, they don't get like cyclical production of melatonin and then cortisol and serotonin until six to eight weeks. So for at the very least six to eight weeks, you're on a 24 hour clock. That's no time to be learning. Ideally you learn ahead of time and then you're like figuring things out while you give yourself the space and your body, the space to discover rest, rest, rest and recover and discover. That's like my three Rest, recover, and discover okay. is what you should do during those first few weeks. Yeah. So we talk uh, at fit to be we talk a lot about strength and how we tie it into things. And we've talked about strength on this podcast some. Um, but I'd like to hear from you, um, what, how would you define, what would you consider a strong birth, a strong recovery? Because we've talked about strength today in a little bit different way than normal. How would you define those? So, right. So, um, I knew you were going to ask me that question because Beth sent some ahead of time and I was like, "Mm, we need to change the language because how we, what the word brings with it in Mm -hmm. our culture is going to leave you lopsided. Right. Because what you actually need during birth and postpartum is that balance. It's that, you know, internal strength and it's, it's, it's so challenging to let go. Mm-hmm. Like that requires a lot of strength to give control over to your body. Right. You know, especially since it's a body that you've been most likely judged, judged have been judging all through your life or that you feel it's let you down or that you don't completely love right. and completely trust. Right. Or you don't completely trust or you got there by, you know, through infertility. So that's, I think that's the strength of birth, the strength to realize that you need to let go. And, and, and that's a great parent. It's a first great parenting lesson because because you know you're in that we're forever a we instead of an i um what does that mean what does that mean yeah. for you so 
in terms of a recovery, you know, I'd like to focus instead of strong birth and strong recovery, uh, balanced birth and a healthy recovery. Right. Yeah. I like that. I like that. It it sounds like the reoccurring theme that I'm hearing over and over and over again um, is really about balance. It's about um, stepping back, it sounds like, stepping back and kind of looking at the overall picture and having a balanced approach. Um, It is is very um, in line with the way that we do things at fit to be Beth is constantly talking about having the appropriate balance in the way that you're doing things. Um, and the problem that I see that is, I think both of you, uh, as professionals face every day is that the world projects this information that has nothing to do with balance. It's very one-sided to whatever the particular agenda is. It's very much, all the way pendulum swing to one way, whatever the agenda is. And, and so because of that, I feel like what I see and what I'm hearing from you today is we're swimming upstream against that. We're fighting that kind of messaging constantly and it's not productive in this situations that we're talking about with regards to birth, you know, pre, during, post, it's just not productive. And, um, it's just, I really love the synergy between what you're talking about and kind of what we, our focus. And I think it's, it's mm-hmm. pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Um, For sure. Absolutely. And I find that, you know, birth is a really, like this experience of being pregnant and giving birth and becoming a parent is a, an amazing opportunity to connect with what it really means to be a human and in that balance right and being a human is being balanced um and the thing is culturally like you were saying we tend to have a very polarized view of things where it is in in the way our culture has developed Mm -hmm. we tend to put positive um attributes to things like strength and being organized and being on time and logic and all of these things and you know, I, I mean, I don't want to get into not in a, in a binary of male, female in terms of gender, because that's not it. It's about right. everybody has as a human, we have a balance of what we attribute as a female energy and a male energy in all of us. Mm-hmm. And so this is the time where you got to nurse, you got to be motherly, you've got to you know, touch into your, tap into your feelings and your intuition. Mm -hmm. And it's hard because we've been conditioned for so long that those are things that are like not desired stuff, right? Mm -hmm. Right. There's, you've got to fight so much inside your brain. So I find that that's also the biggest hurdle that new parents face is feeling completely out of their depths because they're in a space that is completely new and asking new things of them and to live their lives in a new way with that flexibility and out of control and of surrendering Mm -hmm. and sacrifice, which are words that we're like, oh, and asking (laughs) for help. Oh my God. Humble words. Humbling words, asking for help, getting your village in place. Like this sounds like even to me, when I was first pregnant, all of that sounded really like it rubs me the wrong way. 
right. because it's not stuff that we wholeheartedly embrace. So I think that's right. the biggest hurdle. Right. Well, in a world where young girls are um, oftentimes encouraged to really tap into that type A, um, you know, break through the glass ceiling, keep up with the guys, uh, you know, almost be boyish to succeed. It, it's interesting. Um, I, we have another podcast we're going to be doing with a gal named Lisa Holland, who um, is launching a business that's all about the curvy hustle mm. and uh, you know, the kind of the more feminine way to approach things. But just like you said, um, we all have both. And that is true. Women have testosterone, men have estrogen. We have both of those sets of hormones in us. And at different times of life, those hormones fluctuate. And pregnancy and birth is one of them, where you might have a really strong career-oriented woman um, who's had to really tap into um, more of her testosterone energy, um, more of that dominance to really succeed mm-hmm. or not. I don't, I mean, I feel like I've used a, a lot of both. And, and when it comes to balance in my life, it probably doesn't look like a lot of other successful female entrepreneurs. Becoming a mom really almost derailed me because of it was just such a different set of hormones and a different set of feelings and a different aspect of vulnerability and needing help and needing people. And I had not prepared for that. I really came into it thinking I could do it all on my own, that I didn't need help that I had 10 nieces and nephews and I could do this parenting thing because I got kids. I was good with kids. And oh my gosh. Yeah. Uh, I see that, it so often. That's a whole other podcast. <laughs> yeah. I see it so often, mom, saying that, you know, they lost themselves. So that's tough. You need to prepare for that. You need to prepare, which is one of the reasons I created a postpartum preparation online course. Yeah. Right. Um, that. Yeah. So my postpartum preparation online course, it's like five weeks and it walks. It's not... <coughs> just about baby care because it's not like i'm not going to teach you how to change a diaper you'll have plenty of opportunities to, <laughs> to learn that out um <laughs> but it's more about like you know connecting with your baby figuring out the baby you got and how does that match with the baby you had in your mind and do you need to mourn that experience mm-hmm. Ooh, um yeah. right yeah yeah <laughs> wow <Yeah. laughs> of my kids are the baby i thought i would get oh my goodness and, and then we, are you the mother you thought you were? And, and up to now, nope. you know, what's your new identity? Mom used to always be your mom and now it's you. How do you, how do you integrate that with yourself right. without getting right. lost, right. right? Integrate and not be like replaced. And, um, and, and is it ever too late to take that course? I mean, I so, know physically we say women are always postpartum, but mentally and, and the aspects of the course like that, I mean, would it benefit somebody like me even this far out? You know what? I would love for you to try it and tell me what you think. Like I would, it, it is very much focused on that fourth trimester. Got it. Um, of where your baby is at that time, where your reality is, like, like that symbiotic, because your baby's inside you for nine months and then baby yeah. comes out. But truthfully, you're still even more connected and baby's uh-huh. always on you. And that's for sure. Like overtouched and oh, there's yeah. so much to it. So much to it. <laughs> That's why it's five weeks, but also like connection to your, your partner, if you have a partner and, mm-hmm. and then leading you to finish and, and, and create, it guides you through creating the postpartum plan. Yeah. So by the time you finish the course, you have all this knowledge that's going to boost your confidence and it strengthens your flexibility, right? Like when we were talking about pregnancy, I talked about, you know, how to prepare for birth. Well, do all these things during pregnancy. 
Yeah. So how to prepare for postpartum, do all these things before a baby arrives. Right. Um, right. So that's what that course is about. And I, I did it because I got, I was so tired and sad of hearing moms mm-hmm. um, say how lost they were and suffering mm-hmm. postpartum depression and anxiety and all these things. Cause it hits you like a freight truck. if yeah. You're not prepared. Yeah. Right. So again, it comes back to what I'm hearing is it comes back to balance. It comes back to being prepared mm-hmm. and kind of working through some of these things um, ahead of time, especially on that first birth, but every time really. Um, it's just been a fantastic podcast, actually. Mm-hmm. I, I always learn so right. much on these topics. They're always kind of out of my zone. So I'm always learning a lot and I like it, actually. Um, this has been fantastic. So you have an e-course, you've got the podcast, you have all, all of these different pieces of information. Where should people go? Should should they start with the podcast the, or should they go to the website? Like what's the best oh, the way? The podcast is so good. Y'all have to check out that. What episode was it the, with the plus size mama? Oh. What? Yeah, the plus side, I I took an I made a note. Episode, that was one that I totally geeked out on. I learned so much, yeah. dispelled so many myths about plus size pregnancy. Oh my gosh. I'm embarrassed at how much I didn't know before listening to that. Right? No, okay. it was great. So that was episode 63 with Jen McClellan um, oh, yeah. on Plus Size Birth. She's fabulous. And then okay. I want to make sure people listen to episode 113, which is Rethinking the Pushing Stage with Wapio. And okay. it's what I was saying about pushing, but like a whole hour of it and going deeper nice. into that physiology. Um, but the podcast, it's out every week. Um, there's over 130 five episodes more because it's been three years on a weekly basis. And the, so start there. The tagline for that is talking to maternity pros to inform your intuition because you are the expert of you, your baby, your reality. So I, I, we're just helping you out with that. Um, I was a guest on there at one point. I don't know what episode it was. I didn't look it up. I'm I'm in there Uh, somewhere. Yeah, you can Google it. So you can, Get the, the, however you listen to podcasts, but if you go to birthful.com, you'll also see the show notes for each episode with oh, links and, and helpful mm-hmm. information. Um, and then you can, there's a, a shop or I can't remember what it says, shop or buy or whatever. Uh, it tells, there you can go to the postpartum online course, the preparation course. It's called Thrive with Your Newborn. Um, Good. And I also have a toolkit for birth partners with like all my, ex- my knowledge of duels oh, fantastic. to help you out during the birth. Yeah. Good. That is fantastic. Good. So, so start with the podcast, uh, but you can also go to the website and check that out. Um, tons of good resources there. I, I encourage you guys to, to really subscribe to her podcast because mm-hmm. it's, she's, mm-hmm. you've got guests I do. on there. Um, I'm very picky you know, and not really, just be, I mean, I've been on guests. I don't always subscribe. Yeah, it's not. <laughs> I shouldn't say that because now people are going to be like, oh, well, <laughs> see if we ever have you on again. Yeah. Well, I'm glad yeah. you did subscribe. Yeah, yeah I love your podcast. So, um, if you are just tuning into this for the first time, you should subscribe to our podcast on our website, fit2b.us, F I T, the number two, the letter B.us. You can also find all of the stuff we've talked about in this podcast, all of the links to everything. So if you can't find it by Googling it, just visit our website and look up this episode and you will find all the links in there as well. Mm -hmm. Um, You should also subscribe to our YouTube channel. We've got tons of amazing free resources there. Please check them out. Um, 
And uh, this has been a really um, cool episode. I'm excited about it. And, uh, you know, it's, it's very cool. I've got four kids and I'm learning new stuff all the time. So I love it. Um, thank you so much for your time today, being our guest. And um, looking forward to uh, connecting next time. Thank you. Yeah, thanks, Adriana. It was great thank- to have you. Thank you so much. That was tons of fun. Awesome. Yes. Thanks. Have a great day.